Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today, we are talking about busting myths with nutrition. Mm, it's so interesting when you think back to all the fad diets and things that you've done in the past and content that you've absorbed. And, you know, I'm very open and honest about all the things that I've tried, um, mm. like everything from keto to low carb to intermittent fasting, like your gal been there. Yep. <laughs> and there was also <laughs> periods of time where I genuinely believed that that was a good option. Obviously, otherwise I wouldn't do anything, but yeah. It just, I think it's really important to bring awareness to this sort of stuff because there are some really educated people pushing things that are less than ideal for people of our nature. Yeah. And although advertising and marketing strategies have changed, like there's less magazines, there's less TV commercials, we have daily access to, as you said, social media and people's opinions. And so although the the way in which we are receiving information has changed, it doesn't mean the nature of the information has changed. I mean, everyone says they're evidence-based. And I'm like, what's that even mean anymore? Like in their evidence-based coach. It's like, well, just because evidence says one thing as well, though, like, you know what I mean? You You can have a study on anything. Oh, you Google anything, your bias will find it. And the way that social media works as well is we live in this bubble that everyone knows what a macronutrient is, right? Because- Mm -hmm our social media is full of these evidence-based coaches and personal trainers and competitors and people in the fitness industry. But again, that's a whole nother social media explore page with people that are well into keto because they think that's ideal for fat loss. So it's just about understanding that the information you get given on social media or that you absorb is based on your preferences of what you search. Yeah, that's right. And at the end of the day, the only thing that will allow you to lose weight is a calorie deficit. So yes, maybe short term Mm -hmm. keto might work for someone or intermittent fasting or all of those things, but it's because Mm -hmm. it has forced them to have less calories. But is it sustainable? Probably not. Yeah. And that's something we're going to chat about today. So we're going to be chatting about some mm. of the myths um, and busting some of them. And I also just wanted to highlight, Danny, you've definitely been in a calorie deficit this week. Oh, thanks for the shout out. If I'm <laughs> a little bit um, cooked, it's because we kept pushing recording this episode forward and forward and forward just because I've been so unwell. We'll call it food poisoning, but it is what it is. But yep. yes, well, um, I'm here and, and we're here. <laughs> Yes, we're here. And I think what you mentioned there, Danny, as well, is even though there's a lot of these fads out there, what we need to always bring it back to specifically with nutrition is that it is working around some law of physics or some foundational um, mechanism that's going to get people a result. So i.e., when we intermittent fasting, we usually eat less. When we yeah. eat less, that is a calorie deficit and that's what makes us lose weight. So mm-hmm. it's the same concept. But the first myth that we wanted to touch on is this concept that, which is the opposite of keto, but mm. fats make you fat. And I feel like this mm. is something, if you're a 90s baby, um, this is something that you were raised up to believe. Everything was fat free on all the advertising. You'd have the picture of the women in their sexy, like old school clothes, you know, fat free, fat free. And everything was fat free. But okay, we had to replace the fat with something sugar. No Mm. one spoke about that, right? Yeah. And I think um, I still laugh when I see like the Allen's lollies. And in the quarter, it's 99% fat free. And I'm like, yeah, that's because it's 99% sugar. 
Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. I, I don't understand why that's even on the packaging anymore. And it's, it is because, you know, there was a time where, you know, fats were believed to make you fat. And this is why we had the switch from butter to margarine and we had all these changes yeah. in the way that we eat. And probably our, um, our parents' era were raised in that way in particular through advertisement, the food pyramid, you know, cereals mm. and grains really becoming a really heavy staple. Yeah, yeah, and skim milk, even though, like, yeah. uh, people still love skim milk, but from everyone thought that full-fat milk was really bad. But yeah. now it's kind of going the other way again. People are really embracing the healthy fats, and yeah. there are so many benefits to having fats hormone health mm, I think one yeah. of the, the most important yeah yeah well I remember actually like reading some stuff about people that consume the fat-free products versus those that consume the whole fats and it actually leans towards people that um, choose the foods that are not necessarily whole fats but are, are eating in that mentality of like you know, sustainable practices and not always thriving off the low fat options have mm. better satiation when it comes to food sources. Yeah. And I think it's really important to understand that, you know, just because something is low fat doesn't necessarily mean it's the best option. And I hate when I see people being like, can't eat salmon, it's too high in fat. Can't eat avocado, it's too high in fat. And mm. it's like, yes, when we're looking at calories, of course that matters. Yeah, but I, we shouldn't be demonizing as fats as bad just because they take away more of the calorie equation. Yeah, if we're talking about saturated fats, you know, your really heavy oils and, and all of that, okay, sure, let's skip on the Big Mac burger. But as you mentioned, salmon, avocado, you know, um, olive oil, all these beautiful fats that we need to thrive off, hair, skin, nail health, hormones, as we've said, Um yeah, just be mindful of when you are paying attention to having low fats. And I know when we compete, my fats got really low, mm. but I would still fill them with not only fat from meats, but but all of those things just to keep you fuller for longer and just to keep your body ticking over in a healthy way. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that it's important to go, even though fats make you fat, like, like it, we're not saying that um, going high fat is the right rationale either it's just about not demonizing anything like as we understand through flexible dieting it's just fats carbs and protein and Mm. it's not like choosing fats over carbs or carbs over fat is going to have a huge difference it really comes down to what's sustainable and for us when we're in a hard dieting fat um dieting fat (laughs) dieting phase choosing or having low fat is more sustainable for the amount of calories that we have to that we have to play with because we're going to be able to feel more satiated off choosing higher carbs you know so it really comes down to where you're at but you know what's interesting for me is like when I'm dieting my hair skin and nails all slow down in terms of growth so my hair grows like absolute crazy when I'm in maintenance phases it's Mm. so funny like I'll have to dye my hair every three weeks like when I'm eating a good amount of calories because I get regrowth yeah and yeah when I'm dieting I'm like oh I don't have to dye my I only have to dye my hair sort of every eight weeks six to eight weeks oh wow it's a big difference I find that really interesting because um yeah, I, I just notice a big difference as to when I'm eating like sufficient amounts of fats, um, not just optimal, like, but sorry, not just sufficient, but optimal amounts of fats because there is a exactly. difference. Oh, yeah. And it's like how people and myself lost my period during um, comp prep as well, just because 
your body doesn't want to go through that process. So again, obviously low calories as a whole would play a factor, but I really think it was the low amounts of fat as well. Yeah. Um, And yeah, just in terms of satiation or feeling fuller, if you imagine you have like a teaspoon of oil versus a big bowl of vegetables, they probably have the same amount of calories, but which one's going to fill your stomach up longer? So obviously the vegetables. So that's why we make that choice during comp prep as well. But it's a whole different ball game. Comp prep aside, we want good fats, but yeah. not so many fats that it's going to put, push you into a calorie surplus. Mm. Okay. Cause anything in, if you have too much of it will cause you to put on weight, whether it's carbs, fats, or protein. Yeah, absolutely. And even when we look at fats, you know, there's a lot of conversation about fats and body composition, but no one talks about the fact that, as you said, like fats are vital for um, producing hormones because that's how they're made in in our body. They're made through fat, which is actually an endocrine gland, essentially, because it produces a hormone. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's really important is, again, like there's vitamins in our bodies that are fat-soluble vitamins, meaning that we need fats to be able to absorb those. So I'm thinking like you your vitamin A, D, E, and K. Like yep. all the those- old attic. I remember that. Is that yeah, high attic? school. A, D, A, K. Yeah. Thank God. I was thinking, Nailed I was like, it, is man. that it? I, there we go. Yep. Listening biology for sure. Well done. Um, but yeah, like when you think about that, specifically vitamin D, like so yeah. important for our body. And, you know, I, I put a recommendation um, on the on our notes of 0.6 grams per kilogram of body weight is the absolute minimum. That is mm. peasant levels of body fat that anyone should ever be. It is like it's that's a depressing level of um, dietary yeah. fat. I should say, mm, mm, mm. but you know, I, I really like about one gram per kilo, um, for a maintenance phase, 0.8 to one gram, um, is usually what most people will feel quite comfortable at without, you know, having to cover things in olive oil and those sorts of things. Yeah, God, as you mentioned there, not all fats are created equal, you know? So we have, um, do I dare say our, our more healthier, styles of fats which is Mm. our unsaturated ones but statistically if you are looking at evidence they do um, have more health benefits in the bodies in comparison to saturated fats which are still fine um, but you know your devil's in the dose with everything yeah in moderation and our body composition and performance will always be dictated by the kinds of food that we eat we are what we eat and I just have to say, I've not had a coffee in like a week and it's just been nuts. You Ooh. know, when you're feeling unwell and you're just, yep. yeah, but just craving all those bone broths and all that good mm. stuff. So we literally are what we eat. And sometimes it takes a big bout of illness to recognize, okay, shit, these are the habits that I need to change. But, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes, yeah, just do it. So oh. always pay attention to the types of food that you are yep. putting into your body. Yeah. We always notice the absence of good health rather than good health itself. It's the same so with true. sleep. So people, you don't, you, you rarely go, oh, so well slept all the time, but yeah. boy, you notice it when you have a bad night's sleep or, yeah. you know, I think, I think of those tiny little things. So if you get like a toothache or an earache, you never wake up and go, oh, my teeth, they're not hurting at all. Yeah, right. maybe we should. Maybe society <laughs> won't be so miserable. The gratitude practice needs to come out. But really, <laughs> my good, teeth uh, don't hurt today. True. Really good highlight there, Danny, about you know food quality. I think it's so yeah. important, and how much we eat is yes going to dictate um, how we look, but then what we eat is going to dictate how we feel. So Mm. it's really important to be like, well, both matter and I can choose, you know, the the coconut oil or I can choose the avocado, you know, both are going to be metabolized in the body. They're not good nor bad, but it's just about understanding both serve a purpose. Yep. Awesome. So fats do not make you fat. A calorie surplus does. 
Yeah, well said. Well said. Thanks. Is that is that one that one sort of carved off? I feel like I think so. Yeah, we can move on to the next one. Yeah, let's move on to number two. Oh yeah, actually, no. Well, we skipped a whole section <laughs> on um the benefits of fat. You know, they actually okay rewind everyone so today's going to be a freestyle episode i've just called it now but we're here so <laughs> it's all good um the benefits of mono unsaturated and polyunsaturated fat so they're the fats that they're liquid okay yeah. they're not as tight um yeah. tightly bound so it they do lower the risk of heart disease okay so they actually increase the good amounts of hdl in your body as well so for cholesterol so basically our heart health we actually need fat. So you can take it both ways. People think, oh, if I've got a really high fat diet, you know, it's going to hurt my health, but we need the right fats to actually help our heart. Yeah. And it sort of goes in lines with like a Mediterranean diet, you know, they oh, yeah. have olive oil and avocado and things like that, that they eat. It actually helps metabolize the quote unquote <clears throat> bad fat, you know, it yeah. helps break it down. Anything that sets hard is a saturated fat. So I'm thinking butter butter coconut oil like those sorts yeah. of things that you're hard fat <clears throat> and when you if you looked at someone that has high cholesterol they have more fat in their arteries that layers it and it's hard you know yeah. so that's why the the lighter fats or the liquid fats are you know quote unquote more healthy and I say this is a grain of salt because I know there was a time where people were saying like, you know, don't eat too many eggs and don't eat, you know, and I'm thinking mm. how many eggs would you have to eat? Like if we're speaking to our audience, I feel like we're not the ones going out and living off trans fats and saturated fats and those sorts of things. No, but I think it's so important to understand <clears throat> because I take this into consideration specifically when people are dieting and fats are low, the quality of your fats is just as important. And when your actual quantity, like if you're on 45 grams of fats or 40 grams of fats in a hard dieting phase, the quality of the fats that you choose is far more important than if you're at a maintenance phase and you're on 60, 65 grams of fats throughout the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You always got to think of your health. Yeah, absolutely. Always. Yeah. Um, Cool. All right. (laughs) Starvation mode is number two. So we're going to talk about, is it actually a thing? Mm. I don't know if I ever believed in starvation mode because I didn't quite understand it. To be honest, like I, but it's still something because to me, it just didn't make sense. Like, but it's sold as like starvation mode. And a lot of people are led to believe because I've never been in that position, to be honest, where I've really plateaued and thought, oh, well, this is it. I'm in starvation mode. I've always been able to get lean because I would focus on the processes. Mm. Right. And I would Mm. just be like, well, maybe I haven't. Um, you know, maybe the diet's not working because I haven't been as compliant this week. Or, yeah. you know, I just feel like when you've got that real objective mind, you're less susceptible to a lot of these sorts of things. But then I can completely understand that if I was absorbing content from people that are saying, yeah, starvation mode. <laughs> well, yeah, I got sucked in, even mm. though everything that I went through, like what what you said, um, nothing added up to being in starvation mode when I was quite thin, playing tennis and all of that. But and then you hear all these things like, oh, if you if you eat in a severe calorie deficit, your body will hold on to fat. That's the theory. So kind of like a grizzly bear in the winter, maybe, even though they probably mm. overeat. But like you, you apparently are in a deficit, your body freaks out as a protective mechanism and then stores fat and then you put on weight or don't lose weight. But yeah. it, it just does not make sense. But it was yeah. sold in such a way that, 
I believed it. People yeah. believed it. You know? Absolutely. People still do believe it. Yeah. And I think as well, when you're in that state, and I can imagine someone that's, you know, not making progress, they already feel like they're eating low calories. They're in a place, nothing's working. And then something comes along and goes, there's this concept, you know, called starvation. Mm, yeah. And you go, that's it. Mm. You know, of course, we're humans of hope. Like we, we don't yeah. want to you know, think, oh, well, it must be this. And again, we will then latch to that and sort of be like, okay. And I think as well, when we give our, when we give our hope away to something that's so outside of our control, like imagine just being like, oh, well, I'm in starvation mode and I'm broken. You know, my metabolism's broken, which is Mm. usually put in that reference. Mm. And this has been disproven in so many aspects. I mean, you look at the reason, like the, the Holocaust and those sorts of things would not have happened if this sort of starvation mode existed. Yeah, and I wouldn't have lost three kilos this yeah. week. People would not, <laughs> not be eating. Dying. You know, I did a I did a presentation recently for my girls on um, the hunger fullness scale and intuitive eating, and I was looking at um, I typed in hunger because I just naively typed oh, in God. hunger, and I was like, oh my god, yeah, you know, man. the world is dying from hunger. It's mm. naive for us in a Western culture to think that starvation mode exists. Yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. But what can actually happen is, and we've had Luke Tullick on talking about this, Holly Baxter, always love dropping their names, talking about metabolic metabolic adaptation. So, mm. for example, if your body senses that you're not getting as many calories in, you'll slow down. You might not mm. use your hands as much when you talk. You might lean on the chair or lean somewhere on the bench instead yep. of standing upright, being animated. So our mm. body goes through little minor changes automatically mm. to try and preserve energy or we might slouch more. So that's metabolic. Meta, I don't know why I'm struggling to say this Look, word. you've had a week. It's fair enough. Far out. Sorry, guys. <laughs> metabolic adaptation. Yep. That is what's happening. Yeah. And I think... Um, that 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 is just the overriding thing of what starvation mode is so rather than starvation mode being this uncontrollable concept that just happens and breaks something in your body that you can't get around it there's ways to work around metabolic adaptation Mm. and thank god metabolic adaptation occurs because it's why we're here as a human race so as you mentioned danny when we go through a a dieting phase one the one of the main reasons why metabolic adaptation occurs is because we lose body mass and therefore we actually don't have as much metabolically active tissue that requires calories so that's why that happens and that's the same reason why luke can eat another three thousand calories on top of what i can eat probably the same with paul because he's a bigger human Mm -hmm. it's so unfair more muscle mass yeah more muscle mass it's unfair Mm. but that's that's that you know that's life so when we look at metabolic adaptation the other thing that you mentioned there is down regulation of neat or activity level that's outside of our control Mm. And I'm not talking about your step target. That's eat. We're talking about neat, right? So planned activity is the things that you do like a step count, like going to the gym and those sorts of things. And that's not what we're talking about when down regulation occurs. Unfortunately, it would be nice if we could just make sure that we hit a step target and that's our neat. But Mm. what actually slows down from a metabolic standpoint is things like our blinking, our respiratory rate how fast our heart pumps, our mm. organs actually atrophy when mm. we go through a calorie deficit. So, you know, oh, and it's, yeah. it's genetics as well. Like some people adapt harder. I'm one of them. I adapt pretty hard in a dieting phase. Um, it just means my calories have to get lower. But yeah, uh, same. 
hunger is um, subjective to the individual. Mm. So I have a client at the moment who's prepping and she's dieting. Like she eats 3,100 calories. She's my size. She eats 3,100 calories and she's dropping on like 2,200 calories with like flies, right? Yeah. Wow. Like nothing. That's great. Yeah. Whereas that would not be me because I can't oh, no. 3,100 as a maintenance. So <laughs> With the little potatoes. But she's still hungry, of course, yeah. because that's a deficit for her. So Never be um, discouraged by other people's numbers because remember, hunger is relative and you can't compare it. Yeah, and that's why it's important to not try and burn off what you ate. I know that that's still kind of a thing, not as much, but people look at their smartwatches or whatever app you use and say, okay, I ate this much today. I need to be on the treadmill for X amount of hours. Like it just doesn't work like that. Sherelle, you just listed so many examples, um, which hopefully, yeah, discredit that for everyone. So try not to burn off what you eat because it just doesn't work. There's too many variables in between. Absolutely. And activity trackers have been shown to be so incorrect when it comes to measuring energy output. Not only are we pretty rubbish at measuring energy input when you look at data and things like that but measuring output is a whole nother category that you really can't measure it's really difficult because you Mm. don't know even from metabolic stuff adaptations I can also um, see which is really interesting I find really interesting that when I go through dieting phases my resting heart rate goes down a lot yeah Um, and that's probably a number of reasons like whether it's including more aerobic work so my fitness is improving but what that means is when your resting heart rate goes down your my body is becoming more efficient um, at surviving on the amount of energy. So it's mm. low calories. I'm just going to slow down Sherelle's heart rate and, you know, all these sorts of things start down-regulating. Mm. Um, I definitely slow down, like, in terms of animation and energy levels, and you might just have a little bit of a siesta on the couch after dinner. Like, oh, yeah. those sorts of things really do impact. So starvation mode, so much more complex than what people give it credit for. One, it doesn't exist, but two, let's just start calling it for what it is which is metabolic adaptation. Yeah, and for the people who actually lose weight by eating more calories, it's probably because you are becoming more animated in the day. You are talking more, blinking more, your heart rate's increasing. Mm. So it's not because you had a damaged metabolism that has been fixed. It's like, okay, Mm. you're probably doing more things in your day now because your body has more energy. Yeah, absolutely, because metabolic adaptation goes both ways and that's what I was just mentioning with my client who eats 3100 calories and maintains that's probably actually an inflated maintenance for her because when you feed more people food they're probably going to train with more intensity exactly they're probably going to twitch more fidget more like do all those sorts of things and it's it's important to understand usually I find this a lot that the calories you build up to you can't just take a couple of hundred off like she's not mm. going to diet through to stage of 2800 that's ridiculous mm, but mm. it's just about knowing that we go both ways and our bodies need to do that for like survival of a race. Yeah, exactly. So when it comes to dieting, as we always say, do it in a way that is sustainable. Okay. Any really quickly um, decline in calories, you'll end up just, you know, hormones going a bit crazy. You'll be hungry and eat it back. It's like the whole, I'll be good Monday to Friday. And then on the weekend, you just can't control it. That's because Monday to Friday was probably a bit too restricted. Okay. So you just got to do it in a way that's long-term, a slow Mm. deficit. Yeah. This is why I'm not a massive fan of mini cuts. And I know I've spoken about this a lot, but I don't (laughs) look look, for the right, right person. Right. But for anyone who's a chronic dieter, um, they're 
it's just a it ends up like a yo-yo that's what I see I see people not doing mini cuts they're just relabeling it for yo-yoing in and out and then binging and then restricting in that cycle that you know just isn't isn't ideal for long-term results because anything that's gained quickly or lost quickly um, will go the other way. So even mm. for you, Danny, like you, we were just chatting off air, you've lost a couple of kilos this week because you can't eat, mm. you know, and mm. weight loss just isn't fat loss. People need to know that. Like know. it's going <laughs> to my gains, <laughs> my gains. But it's glycogen in the muscle. It's food yeah. volume. It's liquid. It's dehydration, mm. you know? And uh, yeah, I just, I just, I just want people to stop jumping to mini cuts and yeah. fucking labeling restriction as sexy. I love that. That's a mic drop moment there. That's so good. What? Yeah. Labeling restriction is sexy. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Well, don't I, do it guys. I just think as well, the other thing I wanted to sort of say, which has been on the tip of my tongue is <laughs> I feel as though subjectively and objectively from looking at clients, women respond differently to like mini cuts than men. Because if you look at an evolutionary standpoint, it sort of makes sense. Like I feel like a lot of guys can go into mini cuts and get shredded, you know, Mm, and I just mm. feel like with women, we don't respond exactly the same way. Our training suffers, our recovery suffers. Mentally, I feel like we respond differently psychologically. Mm. Menstrual cycle, we have Mm. more intense cravings. And I just think it's a recipe for disaster. Mm. And for the right client, the right person in the right time, perhaps in between building phases and those sorts of things for comfort and those, et cetera, fine. But if your goal is to actually lose weight and sustain it, why not just enjoy the process and take a bit longer to get there? Exactly. Because, you you know, if it was for a photo shoot or an event or something, you're going to look back on that day and say, man, I just starved myself to get there and it really wasn't enjoyable. And then on the day I was too cooked to even enjoy it. Yeah, you know, it's not worth it. One of my coaches did a photo shoot last week, and she was like, another one that has a really high metabolism, like 3,000 calories at (laughs) least. All these prodigies. I know. And I'm like, you guys are outliers, know that. Yeah. (laughs) But then when she's like, I'm going to do a photo shoot. And I was like, okay, you know, do it. And then she Mm. did it, didn't diet, looked freaking incredible, had a great time. And you don't need to diet to go to the beach, to have a bikini body, to mm. do a photo shoot. And mm. that's where these mini cuts come from, to feel mm. a little bit more comfortable. And I'm not here to say that that's the wrong thing and everyone can entitled to do whatever they want, but it's just about removing the emotion and zooming out and being like, okay, if I'm going to do a photo shoot for this and then put, on, put the weight back on in a couple of weeks, what am I reinforcing to myself? Yeah, it's not worth it at all. And and just don't book anything in a hurry. Like book it a few months in advance and say, mm. okay, summer's in three months. I want to do a photo shoot on the beach. I've got three months to, you know, slowly have a deficit. Yeah. But some of the hottest photos I've ever seen are when people are fuller, you 100%. know, like each beauty is in the eye of the beholder yep. or whatever it is. You know what I'm, I always want to cover my tracks because I just think everyone's beautiful, but mm. like, Compared myself, for example, stage lean yep. compared to a little bit fuller, like a month out, mm. my photos look way better when I'm fuller, loving myself in that way, not just like skeletal stage oh, lean, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I agree. And I I like when you do photo shoots, when you're diced far out, it is hard <laughs> work. <laughs> I've done a few photo shoots like the day before competing and the and the day yeah. after and around that time. And as Nightmare. you do, 
oh my goodness I just remember Mm. because I've done a couple off season as well and I'm like this is so much fun yeah I've got the energy I can eat beforehand I can do all these sorts of things I'm not actually worried because those expectations aren't there like you're just there to have a good time and get some shots and I love the concept of having some images that are you you know Mm. like I don't want to reinforce to myself that I have to be lean to show up to get photos to do those sorts of things and this is why people diet hard for their weddings and do all these mm, sorts of mm. things well because we need to look less to be more on show and I don't know I yeah, just again right. it's just about reinforcing I don't want to reinforce that mindset that I only get to do photo shoots when I compete yep yep or you know live life or do events after yeah. a diet like no like live your life now guys exactly do it. exactly oh, awesome Moving on, starvation mode. Um, <laughs> moving on. So we're moving on to the last one, which is um, protein is bad for your kidneys. Yeah. Now, okay, and this is probably another one I've never really caught on to just because I've really <laughs> thought hard about it. And I'm just like, I can't. But there's a lot of people still in the internet talking about this concept that we need to be eating less protein for renal health. Yeah, not even on the internet, man. I remember I had a doctor, um, a dentist yeah. once that I went to like oh, a couple of years ago now and apparently, you know, he's talking about whey protein and what it can do to your teeth or whatever. He's like, you do know it's bad for your kidneys too. I'm like, mate, are you serious? You're a health professional. Like yeah. they, because my body. Back in when your I was, <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, just fix my teeth, please. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, when I was playing tennis and young and didn't know what macros were and all of that, I didn't eat much protein at all. Mm. But my body composition was, as we know, and we've spoken and you were the same, very lean, small, couldn't put on muscle. And the difference, obviously, aside from training hard and, and all of that, the difference between that body composition and now was increasing protein. Mm. I know it because I used to eat so many carbs and fats yeah. and all of that, but like no protein added in protein consistently for years with training Mm. and all of that body composition changed. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's sufficient protein is it for building muscles, anything from 1.6 grams to 2.2, I think it is, but there's been studies that have gone up to like four grams per kilo and have actually shown no adverse health effects to um, the renal system. And this is obviously taking out people that obviously have kidney issues. Yes. Any underlying disease, different category. Yes, exactly. Dialysis patients and all those sorts of things. We're not speaking about that, obviously, well and truly outside of our scope. But when you're looking at healthy individuals, it's a really important thing to know that you're not just going to, I don't know what people think, you're going to go into renal failure. Something I wanted Possibly, to mention yeah. about um, the dentist is you just got to be mindful of who you take your health advice from because I, I had a similar situation where I was and um I growing up like I have great teeth they're straight they're white they're perfect but I had holes throughout them when I was growing up I don't even know in life my mum was the same um and then when she got older that she stopped having that issue I don't know it's obviously like a genetic thing that you stopped having fat-free things that were high maybe (laughs) but the dentist told me this is like I don't know when I was right into fitness, when I was really lean, yeah, um, like really lean, like not even eating anything. And I remember mm. the dentist asking me if I was drinking like soft drink and if I could reduce my sugar and all that. And I'm thinking, you know, the highest like glucose thing I eat would be 
be blueberries. Like I was thinking that to myself and I was just like, yeah, he was just almost looking at me like, I don't believe you. You must drink Coke. And I was thinking, oh, wow. But it's just really important again. Like it's the same thing, like where you take your advice from. I wish Mm. we could trust everyone that had some sort of degree, but even that's not the case. No, you know, you've got to have a lot of life experience and experience with actual people and actually caring about the person that you're treating or dealing with and then putting your own emotional biases in it. There's just so much when we do see a health professional. Always look, always seek health professionals. We are health professionals. Mm. Um, But just be mindful of the advice that people do give. And as we always say, seek a second opinion if something doesn't seem right. Yeah. And I just think like you obviously look at athletes that eat the highest amount of protein ever more than gen pop right mm. do any of them have renal failure or kidney failure no because mm. they're healthy individuals so yes i think it's really important to understand that if you're if your body is at a place of health you know you're not going to run into a lot of these issues that people sort of like highlight on the internet Yeah, that's right. And that's why when you look at studies for anything, just be mindful of who the population is. People that society deem to be a trained person, quote Mm. unquote, probably aren't, you know what I mean? Or they probably, you know, 20, 30 kilos overweight. If you compare that person who's sedentary office worker, you know, got Mm. some weight to lose versus a bodybuilder, Like one result will be different to the other based on who can tolerate X amount of protein, you know, Mm. but people just look for the heading because they're lazy or haven't actually learned how to read a study. The Mm. amount of studies you and I had to read in um, uni was ridiculous. That's what took up the bulk of everything. Everything. Learning how to read studies and saying, oh, the population wasn't correct or this or that. But people on the internet copy and paste their heading. Yeah. Um, and that's it. And people get sucked in. Mm. I remember a subject that I had to do on my postgrad and it was called research methods. I hated oh. it. The whole subject was about <laughs> looking at papers and understanding them. Yeah. And, and as much subject. as I hated it, it was really good because you could look at it and learn to take things with a grain of salt because, yep. okay, well, the population is like 60 year old men or like, you can just look at it and actually, um, you know, identify what a good research paper is because a lot yep. of people are evidence-based, but as you said, they get on there and they read the outline or the discussion <laughs> at, or no, they don't read the discussion. They just read the results part. And yeah. it's like, okay, well, the sample size was two. Like, how can you draw conclusions? And again, these are research papers that are published because, you know, it's quite easy. So it's just Mm. about understanding you can't always just go to evidence-based and specifically with health and fitness because, one, the equity for women to men in research is pretty poor. Um, It's getting better, but um, in the health space as well, it was a big highlighter. And I remember when I worked like um, at the women's, it was one of the main things that they tried to bring awareness to was a lot of the research in healthcare is actually done on men. Yeah, that's where keto came from, right? Exactly. Mm, men. You can't, mini cuts, I would not be surprised. Yeah, yeah. You can't generalize a lot of these sorts of things. You have to be able to draw on um, experiences of yourself, other successful people in yeah. the space and, you know, be able to make the right decisions based on a collection of data. Oh, really well said. And even with training studies, like um, how people try and discredit certain exercises, like again, you've just read the heading. You have Mm. not seen the person (laughs) perform the squat or the lunge or the bench press. Like their technique is probably really poor, Mm. but it's counted as a squat or it's counted as the lift. But no, like we're not there in the room with the people conducting the studies, observing them. Like 
just yeah people just please stop reading headings of studies just get out there and do some work with people like real Yeah, exactly. And I think as well, like even in the fitness um, realm with research, a lot of the research is done on untrained individuals. They are not athletes. They have not been resistance training for a long period of time. You can't draw conclusions about training from them. It's to me, I'm like, it's apples and oranges. And I remember, I don't know who I was getting into an argument with on the internet, but they dropped dropped a research paper and they're like, this is, and I was like, okay, I'm looking this up. So then I went through it and I was like, uh, like it was the same thing. I'm like untrained population, sample size 10. And I was looking at it and I'm like, you didn't even read this. Yeah. So you've just got to be mindful of people. Like I obviously didn't bite back because I was like, oh, I feel bad yeah. for you. You, you like, take you it on board. Obviously you read the paper and then you're like, man, yeah. shit. Well, yeah, it's like, like people who say that um, glute activation don't work because of studies, quote unquote. Um, and in the study, the warm-up was walking, which is glute activation. Yeah. And it's like, you, of course, they're going to have the same result because they both did glute activation at the start. It's like, I'm going to pretend that you're not throwing articles at me and just get back to seeing real patients in real life. Yeah, I'm going to get back That's to That's all the we results. can do. Yeah. The, the language is also misinterpreted. Like you said, like activation means something different to them. So it's about understanding like keywords of what, yeah, context of what they're actually talking about. So, yeah. you know, when you bring it back to a lot of these blanket statements, which I'm not, I'm not a fan of, like I, I used to get frustrated when people would say to me, it depends. But now I've, I've, I've learned that the most intelligent people in their field start any answer with it depends. Yeah, so yeah. Because it does, like context is key when it comes to a lot of these things. So protein would be bad for someone's kidneys that's on dialysis, I'm sure, yeah. you know, because it is a larger molecule. But for a healthy individual that has great renal function, mm. you know, it's not an issue. But I feel like a lot of people take things literally and then are like, okay, well, this must apply to everyone. I'll just generalize it, (laughs) p-value. Yeah, and then they eat more carbs and fats and then that leads to their own health issues as we've spoken about. So it's kind of like, yeah, you just can't take everything literally. But I think as humans, we always just want an answer. And I get like that sometimes if I'm uncertain and um, I'm lucky I've got you to talk to about health things as well and vice versa. But our Mm. brain just always wants one answer to something to say, oh, that's it. Like we're forever trying to connect the dots, but it's really not the case, guys. There's so many different answers for each individual experience. Yeah, we 100% as humans all have a biased For example, we have a bias to believe that strength training and resistance training is something everyone should do. There is people that have a bias and we will sit here and argue everything that we've read and done that will support that. There are people that have a bias that think that meditation and yoga is all you need to have a, a like a, a healthy wellness sort of physique, you know, and we, we're all have um, biases and we're really good at, as humans, the way our brain works is to look for things that confirm that bias, mm. you know, we will find it and then we'll go, I told you. Mm. <laughs> and we just need to know that that's the way that we function. So I'm, yeah. very, um, I'm very open to be like, this is my training philosophy. Yeah, you know, and this is what my bias and belief is. Yeah, I'm happy for people to try and like you know change my my views. I'm very open, but then at the end of the day, we need to realize that we still have biases based off our experience um, of life and our own personal learnings. 
Yeah, exactly right. Not everyone has to do what we do, although we get a lot of enjoyment and we see all of the benefits out of our style of training. It's Mm. not for everyone. I mean, Mm. my mum doesn't train. I know your dad does. My dad does as well. But like, I'm not going to say, mum, you need to start training just because. Like, yeah, it's just not for everyone. No, exactly. And I think um, like the same with Luke, like he doesn't actually enjoy the gym, but he loves sport. Oh, there you go. Yeah. He loves sport. And that's fine. Again, like I don't really care how people look after themselves as long as they're getting the result that they want mm. i think where people get go wrong is they're after a result but they're doing things that aren't helping for that and then they're getting frustrated because they don't know the right answer i.e yeah. starvation mode mm. you know people are trying to get to body composition goals to lose body fat and those sorts of things but they're getting stuck behind myths and lies and you know i feel like all the time all the content we put out is just putting out fires on the internet right pretty much it keeps us going yeah disproving (laughs) and and being like it's why we're here it's why we have jobs (laughs) it's why coaches exist Mm -hmm. to show people a path that is sustainable and enjoyable and that's yes that's everything yeah sustainable and enjoyable that's really good um and I don't know, just because we're on another tangent, there's a lot of like social media stuff going around on what not to do. I would just love to see more on what to do. Mm. You know, people are getting really like on their Is there an example? Is there an example? I don't know. I've just noticed trends. Like Mm. it's fine. It gets the likes and whatever. But so many people are saying this exercise bad. This handle is bad. This is bad. Do yeah. this instead. It's like, no, guys, try stop trying to reinvent the wheel. Or you can say, try just deliver information differently. I don't yeah. know. Just yeah. be mindful of the people always saying, no, 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 no. Follow 100%. people who give positive advice. Hey, this is how you do this or whatever. Not yeah. this is bad. Follow people that say it depends, you know, on Q&As. <laughs> follow people that say it depends and then give rationale for both sides. with something after that'll be yeah. very annoying yeah uh, depends it depends um really good point danny i think um something that sort of comes to mind for me like when it comes to social media and the internet is people are always going to to give you clickbait because mm. and cr- trust me there's a fine line because what good is your content if no one's seeing it i i, I think that too like there are some incredible people that i follow so intelligent no one sees their shit. Yeah. Right. So I think it's a fine line between people being like, you know, and of course, I think we're, we're both thinking of people that it's like they do that the the poor way, but it's just about that fine line and choosing the people that you take these sorts of advice from, you know, with a grain of salt and you come in and be like, I wonder what it depends on. Something, um, <laughs> something, something someone said to me, and I can't remember who, um, but I'll never forget it, is every time you say should or shouldn't, it's a bias. It's your opinion right? And we get choice of opinion. So you shouldn't do this exercise. You shouldn't eat that. You should do this. You should train. You shouldn't do sport. You should do yoga. You should meditate. Every time someone says should or shouldn't, it's their own personal belief. And now when I hear people say that to me, oh, you shouldn't eat that. I, I, I automatically go, oh, that that's unbiased. I remove that emotional attachment because that's their belief. It's not mm-hmm. attacking what I'm doing. It's just their personal belief. So yeah, yourself out when you say it too. It's really interesting. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. There are there are some health professionals that I would listen to if they say should or shouldn't, but a lot of people do throw that around probably mm. a little bit too loosely based yeah. on their biases. It depends where the biases come from, just because they're doing it and they want, you know, to recruit more people or are they a professional actually giving advice? Two yeah. different things. Well, a bias isn't a bad thing. It's a personal mm. opinion mm. and it might be backed with 
with data and stuff too. But I'm just saying when people say those two words, it's based off their experiences and their personal beliefs. And, you know, you can obviously take that with a grain of salt depending on what yours are as well. Mm -hmm. But I notice it more in myself. I pick up on it and I go, oh, like I might might want to say, oh, you shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And then I'll notice that before I say it. And I'll be like, why shouldn't they do that? Where's that come from? And it's just about identifying that, yeah, like when we say these sorts of things, of course, we might have a collection of evidence throughout our whole life that is supported that lifting weights is ideal. But you know what? If someone wants to go around and kick a football and do some running and things like that, why can't they? Because of yep. someone else's beliefs. Yep, perfect. Bit of homework for everyone then. Catch yourself out a little bit. Yeah, just picking up on it. But mm. I guess, you know, with today's episode, like busting myths, this is just three. And there is yeah. three trillion on just nutrition <laughs> that I could probably find on social media this week. So, you know, I think for everyone, you just need to have your bullshit meter up when it mm. comes to taking in content. Nutrition is trending because it's everyone's weakness. You know, it takes immense effort, effort sorry, and 24-7 attention yeah. um, to improving nutrition and achieving a result. So it's a mm. low-hanging fruit. I feel like just because someone eats food doesn't mean that they're a nutritionist or a dietitian though. And when people are giving blanket statements, this is why as personal trainers, we can only give out macro, um, macronutrient targets and we can't give meal plans, right? Yeah. It's out of your scope. It's just about understanding who am I getting this information from and, you know, is it their, their biased or is it mine? Yep. Well said. I'll leave it there because you wrapped that up beautifully. Awesome. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode and as always, please do take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story. Thanks everyone.